I am uh, just, I'm excited today. Uh, if you follow me on social media, you might have seen that I was out of, we were out of town um, this week in Florida. And we, I, I had, last year when we went to Florida, I told my son I'd take him on a deep sea charter. And it didn't happen. And so this year, I kind of saved up money and set the money back. And we went. And I'm going to tell you what. When you go out five miles or more offshore, okay, and the boat is rocking, I can only imagine what those disciples felt, right, when the storm hit. My wife had her Dramamine, and thankfully she didn't have to take it. But when the four of you are in proximity, see, here's what I've learned. Anybody gone deep sea fishing? One, two, three. Okay, a few of you. So it's not like freshwater fishing, like where you throw it out and you just kind of wait. You have about 30 seconds, and that thing's coming back. If, if your line is in the water for more than 30 seconds, one of two things have happened. Your bait's either gone or you're reeling something in every 30 seconds. Boom, 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 boom. And we caught a couple sharks. We caught some grouper. We caught all, you know, all sorts of different things. And I got to be, why is it dad's always just take it right in the gut. Is, it, is that in the dad job description somewhere? Dads get it in the gut? I hooked a sea turtle. <laughs> right towards the end, he's like, all right, each of you got two more casts, and then we'll have to take it in. Okay, whack. And before it gets to the bottom, because it's like 40 feet to the bottom where we were at, and it was like, it stopped. And Joseph is back there going, man, I ain't getting around no animals. <laughs> and, and I thought, I didn't get to the bottom yet. And my pole and line just went like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Now, I had just hooked a few minutes earlier, I had just hooked a four-foot shark. So I thought, I got another shark on the line, like a bigger shark on the line? Um, so I start reeling in, I start reeling, and I look down and I see this big shape and I thought I got a stingray or something so I hand the pole off to my oldest son because that's why you know ha you really listen and um, I got to be the villain dad was the villain you know you hooked the innocent sea turtle good job dad <sighs> I heard about it all day I'm like look he's he's back in the OC gnarly dude yeah the whole Nemo reference and so but here's what I learned on that boat you got to work in sync when there's four of you like here and here and your poles are whipping around you have to work together right I'm like hey Isaiah I'm coming over your head hey Lynn watch out you know um, they're probably like, I am never going fishing with dad again. He's going to knock me over the edge. Um, and so we had to work in unison. And there were four of us working in unison. And then the boat captain was the fifth. And I, I just felt sorry for the guy. 
He's like, these bunch of Midwestern corn-loving landlubbers have no idea what they're doing. Um, and so we all had to work in unity. And we're going to continue looking at Psalm chapter 133. And last week we talked about working in unity. And one of the things that we found in the gospel was that working in unity means that we serve one another, that we love one another, that we work together, and that last week, you know, I had, a, I had a cake up here, right? And I talked about all of the things that go into that cake, and yet they all have to come together after getting beat, after being thrown in the heat. Those things have to come together to make the cake. Well, today we're going to pick up in Psalm chapter uh, 133, verse 2. And is that my phone? All right. I'm like, I know I shut it off. Why is my phone going off? Anyway, oh, the age we live in. All right. So Psalm 133, verse 2, it says, talking about, talking about the unity of the brethren and working together, it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe and so David in this song of ascent now anytime you're reading the Psalms in the song of ascent you say you see above the chapter it says song of ascent thanks to Dave last week who corrected me listen when you hear me say something up here you need to research it for yourself right so Dave researched it and he corrected me a song of ascent is a song that you would sing on the way to the temple and so that's why they're so short you would sing it on your way to the temple, ascending the stairs to the temple. It's called a song of ascent. And it's a short. And so this is a song that David would sing on his way to the temple. And so he says that when we work together in unity, it is like precious oil. When you're studying and reading your Bible, what you're going to find is that the word oil, the oil is representative of the Holy Spirit and of the Holy Spirit's work throughout all of Scripture. So when you're reading your Bible and you see the word oil, that is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus solidifies this by reading the book from the book of Isaiah in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, where Jesus says that he has been anointed with the Holy Spirit. The word anointed means to take oil and place it onto something. And Jesus himself, through the prophet Isaiah, makes the connection between the Holy Spirit and oil in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And so he says it's like precious oil. Now, what is the oil that David is referencing? We find it in Exodus. If you go all the way back, you don't have to turn there. Um, you can if you want. But in Exodus chapter 30, we're going to read about the oil. We're going to break it down because it has a lot to do with the body of Christ working in unity together. It's a beautiful picture in Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 through 25. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh. So 500 shekels is about 12 pounds, just reference, all right? About 12 pounds of myrrh, half as much it's 25, 250 shekels, which is 
what's half of 12? Some of y'all slept during math class, and it shows. All right. All right, half a dozen, you know, like when your wife says, I really want donuts, and you got to go to the donut store, and she says, half a, you guys are like really not with me this morning, are you? All right, half, six, thank you, whoever said six, you're right, right, half a dozen, give me half a dozen, give me six donuts. Now, if you live in my house, six donuts has gone, like, you got to get like at least a baker's dozen, and that's how many? Oh, yeah, y'all know that. <laughs> Guess I should have went with a higher number. All right, so about 250 shekels uh, of cinnamon and um, of fragrant calamus, 500 shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary shekel and a hen of olive oil. Make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. How many, how many women would like to have that job? Mm-hmm. Don't lie. You know you would. I'm a per- what do you do for a living? I'm a perfumer. I make a th- the perfumist. I don't know where that came from. Okay. Make these into sacred anointing oil. It will be the sacred ano- it will be the sacred anointing oil. He says this is the this is the oil of all oils in the temple. This is the creme de la creme of the oil used in the temple. Now, when he says a hen of olive oil, that's a gallon. That's about a gallon. Okay? So you've got, you've got like a gallon of oil, you've got 12 pounds of, of myrrh, and then you've got... There you go. Half a, half a dozen pounds, right, of all of these other spices. Now, the, the beauty of these spices is that they all, myrrh, cinnamon, and cassia, all come from a tree. The calamus comes from a reed. And you'll see how all of this becomes, comes together in unity to describe the Christian life in the work of the cross. Myrrh, in its representation, actually represents death. Myrrh represents death in the Old Testament. It represents death, and it comes from what? A tree. Wait a minute. Who who, who died on a tree? Jesus. Now, we already know that the shit, that the, uh, I can't even say that right, a hen. That's why it's not sticking. I'm thinking of a hen, something that clucks. A hen of oil. A gallon of oil, the oil represents the Holy Spirit, and it's all in the Holy Spirit. It's all encompassed in the Holy Spirit. And so you have myrrh, which represents death from a tree. And the way that they would get the myrrh out of a tree, they'd whip the tree with spikes to represent the death, puncture holes in it, almost like tap it, like you would tap to get sap out of a tree. They would get the resin and the myrrh out of the tree. So he takes myrrh. He takes a symbol of death, and he puts it in. And the next thing that they say is cinnamon. You know, like, 
the smell that when you walk into Walmart around Christmas time and they got the massive bins of Look, I've got pine trees in my house, and I have, yeah, Walmart, this, Walmart lied to me. Because I started thinking that pine cones smell like cinnamon, and they don't, because the pine trees in my yard do not smell like cinnamon. It's a lie. It's a big lie. They smell like pine, which is better than cinnamon anyway. Oh, you guys are disagreeing with me? Okay. So, cinnamon, cinnamon now this is amazing. Because we've already got myrrh from a tree that represents death. Cinnamon comes from a tree, but it comes from deep inside the tree. In the Old Testament, it represents raising vertically. Because what the priests would do when they would make this is they would get the rolls of cinnamon, like you see, like you can go to, you know, those stores to buy. Right? Like in rolls. They come in rolls. Not those kind of rolls. Never mind. Right? And so they're in rolls, and they would open them up. They would, they would lay them down, and then they would raise them up over the oil, and they would raise them and open them up, and they would begin to scrape out the inside into the oil. And so cinnamon represents rising vertically. To rise vertically. They come from a horizontal position and rise vertically. So we have myrrh the death, and what rose vertically after the death? Do you notice the order that they're in in the Old Testament? To rise. To rise. Calamus means or represents the ability to create something new. Right after rising. What is it that you put your faith in as a Christian? Don't you put your faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection? And then after your faith is placed in that, the Bible says that you are created new. And yet he's laying all of this out. The priests, as they're making the oil, are doing this in order. How, how are you not seeing this, right? All wrapped in the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow. And then, look, the, the, the calamus is the one that does not come from a tree, though. It comes from a reed. And the way the calamus smells very, very sweet. It's a very, very sweet smell. And the way you get the smell out of the reed is you would take wind, like a fan or something, and you would blow, and the pollen would come off of the reed and smell sweet, and it would go into the oil with the cinnamon and the myrrh. What's another symbol of the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came as a mighty rushing Wind. And so the wind blows the reed, brings the smell, the sweet smell out of the calamus. Right? And it means to create. And then the fourth is the cassia, and it comes out of a tree, and it means to bow down or to yield one's will. Now, when you come to Christ, 
in faith, you believe in his death, you believe in his resurrection, you've been created, you've created a new heart, and the rest of your life you're learning to bow your will to his. Not my will be done. Isn't that what our, isn't that what our big brother prayed when he was here on earth? Not my will be done, but your will be done. And the whole time, the, the Hebraic priests are making this oil, this, and they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and making the oil and bringing these things together. Because what are they putting it in? They're putting it all in oil. Wasn't the life of Christ, isn't our life in Christ enveloped in the Holy Spirit? Aren't we moved on by the Holy Spirit? Aren't we moved in and through with the Holy Spirit? And so, and so as they're making this, they're telling the gospel story. They're telling, this is the oil that David's singing about. David, the one who's looking for the Messiah to come someday, is making this oil, is telling the gospel story in all of this oil. And what's it say? It says that when we come together and work in unity, it's like the holy anointing oil. It's like the gospel of Jesus Christ when we come together and work together. When we work together, it's like, and what does he say in Psalm 133? He goes on, he says, it is like precious oil poured, 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 not dripped, not a little bit, poured, right? When you pour something, are you trying to be conservative with it? I ain't talking politics. I mean, are you trying to be conservative or liberal with it? You're being liberal with it when you're pouring. Man, when I was out playing in the backyard and my mom called me, she's like, hey, lunch is ready. And I'd come like running out of the field, jump over the ditch. And I saw her get that pitcher of Kool-Aid. She better pour that Kool-Aid. Right? Kool-Aid is like the nectar of the gods you laughing about I'm being serious I love it I love it right and I wanted her to pour that Kool-Aid I wanted her to dump it out I wanted her just to pour keep pour. just keep it coming mom just keep it coming just keep it coming right I wanted her to pour I wanted her to be liberal with it I loved it and David says that when we work together in unity, the Holy Spirit begins to get poured out. God begins to pour out the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our, in our congregations, in our fellowship with one another, in our work together. He says God begins to pour out the Holy Spirit liberally. You want to quench the working of the Holy Spirit? Stop working together. What's he saying? He's saying if you work together and unite, I'm pouring it out liberally. But what's he not saying? That's just as important as what he's saying. You stop working together. You start grumbling and complaining and murmuring and griping. And you will watch the Holy Spirit be. God's like, all right. Holy Spirit Kool-Aid pitcher is gone. Gone, right? I'm not pulling out anymore because why? They will know we are Christians by our rules and regulations. 
They will know we are Christians by, by our, 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 by our what? Love. Thank you. By our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. If we are going to see a fresh move of the Holy Spirit in our churches and our life, listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but this year alone, if Barna Research is correct, 8,900 8, churches will close their doors this year permanently. 1,900 pastors will walk away from the pastorate completely. Last year, churches that closed their doors was about 7,500. Do you know what I think one of the problems is? Is we're too busy griping and complaining over stuff rather than figuring out how we can work together. Because one of the things that we pointed out last week, one of the, one of the Hebrew, or one of the, one of the Greek words in First Peter literally meant to stand across a bridge from one another and figure out what we have in common so we can cross that bridge and meet in the middle. Right? Do you, do you want to know why the church in North America has lost its power? It's because we're too busy grumbling about things. We're too, many, too busy complaining about things. Right? It's very true. How many, how many of us, okay, this is going to hurt. I'm just warning you right now. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready, the Band-Aid's coming off. And look at your other neighbor and say, he means you. All right. How many of you have moved houses before? Moved from one house to another? Okay. How many of you said, your last way out the door, last walk out the door went, there's so many memories here. Right? Wait, time out. Now, one of my favorite shows is The Ghost of Mr. Chicken with Don Knotts. Now, in that show, why well, you guys don't think this is so funny? He says in there that houses are mortar, brick, and wood. Where are the memories? They're not the mortar, the brick, and the wood. The memories are here and here. That house is brick, mortar, and wood, and it only has as much power as you give to it. That goes of anything. If we are children of Abraham, then look at our father Abraham. He lived in a tent. He moved from place to place to place to place. Why? Well, one of the reasons the Bible says is that is because he was constantly reminded that this is not his home. This is not his home. We're not home yet. The Bible says that we are aliens and strangers. We are pilgrims. And unfortunately, what happens over the course of our 80 or 90 or maybe 100 years is that we get more attached to this life than the next life. And it's supposed to be just the opposite. We should be growing closer to the next life than to this life. But we get so wrapped up into this life. Oh, this house, so many memories. I mean, I remember, like, I'm going to share a story that, you know, Lynn had a teacher, who, a friend at school who had just had a baby. And we, she'd made some food for her and whatever. And 
we were driving to the house and we were taking food and with the closer, remember this? The closer we got, it was between Anderson and Alexandria. It was in the middle of nowhere in a little subdivision off a county road. And the closer we got, I'm like, this was my old, I remember this area. And then we pulled into my old addition. And I was like, what? And then we turned down my street. And I'm like, no, no way. Yes way. <laughs> pulled in my old driveway, the first house that my parents had built after they moved from Anderson. And I was a little, this is where like most of my memories as a kid are from. Dad put a pool in the backyard. I mean, all of the memories you have as a kid, right? You know, um, going down where I'm not supposed to go, going down to the farm, throwing rocks at the farmer's pigs, getting in trouble, doing all sorts of the goofy things that kids do. We pull in the driveway. I'm like, honey, honey, this is the house. Like, this is where all those memories are. Doing what everybody else does. This is where the memories are. No, the memories are here, not there. I said, Can you? I, I know she just had a baby. <laughs> and I know she ain't put together. But look, I have to get in this house. I have to. I have not been in this house in 35 years. I have to go here. She asked, and there was like a foot of snow. So I'm just traipsing through the snow right? And I get in the house. The house had shrunk. <laughs> like, my little surfer Scooby-Doo van went from the front door all the way to the TV with A.J. Foyt race car following it and G.I. Joe F-14 flying. Like, it took forever to get across the living room. Now it was like, what happened? What happened? I got back in the van, didn't I? I go, that house shrunk. She said, no, honey. You've grown. But I remember, and I went into my old bedroom that he had turned into an office. I'm pretty sure he's going to answer for that on Judgment Day. But he turned my bedroom into an office where my waterbed was, where I would rock it and just wave at night and yell at mom and dad that I can't go to sleep. And had all my animals lined up because Dracula was underneath my bed waiting for me to fall asleep. It's a true story. He was really down there. Thank you. And he was under your bed too? That guy got around. So here, here's what I'm saying, though, that we hold on to these memories so tightly. Why? Why do we allow ourselves to get more attached to this earth than we get attached to heaven? Why? Because this isn't our home. And that's what happens is we get attached to things. Jesus said, listen, fox have burrows, birds have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. A lot of us would not have liked following Jesus around. Really tonight, Jesus, under the cactus? Tonight, underneath the olive tree? Jesus, tonight at so-and-so's house? Jesus, tonight on the boat? Really? He's like, yeah, because I'm not attached to this. I created it, don't matter, it's like what I tell my kids, don't matter to me, I'll take you out and I'll make another one that looks just like you. Keep it up. That's what I tell my kids. Jesus tell the earth the same thing, don't matter to me, I'll just make another one that looks just like you. We wouldn't have liked to follow Jesus because he moved. 
He is on a mission. He had a purpose. He had to bring people to Jesus. He had to do his Father's will. And doing the will of the Father means we cannot sit still. We cannot get attached to things. But what happens is we start getting attached, and then we start grumbling, we start complaining, we start blah, 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 blah. And what happens? The pouring out of the Holy Spirit that we once experienced, God goes, mm -mm. You're, not, you're not acting like a child of mine. I'm not going to pour out my spirit on you like this. And we wonder why our lives dry up. We wonder why God suddenly goes silent. Maybe it's because he's doing it not doing it not gonna pour out because he pours out liberally where does he pour he pours it on the head the body is a representation of the church and where does the Holy Spirit first get poured out on Aaron's feet or his head well it gets poured out on his head do you know what the head is it's the lead it's the leadership of the body it's where your smell, your, all your senses get processed here. All your reaction, most all of your reaction gets processed here. Your spine actually does some interpretation and some reaction on its own without ever sending it to the brain. But there, most, of the, most of the reaction happens in the brain. It's, the, it, it's, where your, it's where your body is led. So when we're operating in unity... The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will first be poured out on the leadership. You cannot lead somebody where you yourself are not willing to go. You can't. And here's what I can tell you, that when you get a vision as a leader, and I could get into a whole sermon on leadership. As a leader, when God gives you vision, and he gives you a mission, there are going to be people that will run and flock to that vision. Yes, I love it. I want that vision. I want that mission. But here's what else I can tell you about vision. It will repel people as well. People are like, I don't want any part of that. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I don't want that. Vision attracts and vision subtracts. It attracts and subtracts. That's vision. And as the leadership works together and the Holy Spirit begins to get poured out, it runs from his, from his head to his beard. The beard represents... The beard represents actually the dignity in Jewish days. If you read Levitical law, there's all kinds of laws about how to keep a beard. Proper ways to trim it, etc. It's all in here, right? And so the oil flows from the beard and then it flows on down to the rest of the body. But it starts with the head. It starts with the head being in unity and working in unity. It starts with leadership, loving and caring for one another. And it flows on down to the rest of the body until the body is so anointed with the Holy Spirit that everywhere we go, we're leaving oil trails. We're leaving Holy Spirit trails so that when you begin to reach out to your community, they're like, who was that? Who were they? Why are they doing that? One of the outreaches that, that, we, that we did, uh, that, that we've done as, as a River family, and some of you are, are new to the River, and I know a grand view people here. This is probably the first time you've heard of this. One of the outreaches that we, we have done and we've come to be known for is a free rummage. Take it. It's like legally stealing. There you go. We don't set out a bucket to take money or nothing. In fact, we had one guy, he was so blown away, he got mad and threw money on the ground and stomped off. I'm like, you, there's a guy who doesn't understand grace at all. <laughs> right? Like, and so... It's about 
loving people so well. Why, why are you doing this? Because Jesus gave his life to, for me with no strings and no conditions attached. That should I not accept him when I die, or by the time I've died, he still loves me enough to die for me. No strings attached. I am called and commanded to love you the same way. So here, take whatever you want. What happens if a guy drives his half-ton truck and fills it up and backs it up? Well, the rummage is over sooner than what we anticipated. I mean, we just love, you know? Now, one year, we did have a guy drive up from Georgia with a massive U-Haul and back it up, and we were like, hmm. <laughs> so we had a little talk. But, <laughs> you know, for the most part, you, you, you love people unconditionally, no strings attached. I'm for you. I'm, I'm all for you. That's what Jesus did when he opened up his arms on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I'm for them. They don't even know it. They're spitting on me. They're calling me names. They're screaming at me. They're pulling out my beard. They're bruising me, beating me until the Bible says they didn't even look human. I would venture to say that most of us in this room have never seen a human beat like that. And yet, he goes, you're worth it. You're worth it. I hear so many Christians say, I'm not worthy. That's a lie. If you weren't worth it, he wouldn't have done it. Now, do you deserve it? Mm. Probably not. Do I deserve it? No. I can tell you right now, no. But you're worth it. I'm worth it. The king of the universe saw you were worth it. And he goes, there's no way for them to obtain where I'm at and to get where I'm at. So I'm going to have to go down and TCB. I'm going to have to go down and take care of business. This morning, if you're here, and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to invite you to consider what Christ has done for you. Through faith, not by works. How horrible. Think, when we get to heaven, do you really want to walk around and hear people's story about and hear them boast? See, the Bible says that it's by faith, not by works, so that no man can boast. Nobody likes a bragger and a boaster. Right? How, how, how horrible would heaven be if all you did in eternity is walk around and everybody, look what I did to get up here. Look what I did to get up here. Look what I did to get up here. At some point, well, I'm just going back to my cabin in the woods in heaven because y'all are nuts, right? But the Bible says he loves us beyond measure. So if you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. I would invite you Either come up as we close out in song and I want to pray with you or I'll be standing at the back and I'd love to talk to you. Let's stand up as we close with song. I want to encourage you to think about what in your life might be causing God to go, mm -mm, I'm not pouring out the Holy Spirit here. Because it says that he will pour it if we work together and love one another in unity, he, the Holy Spirit will pour out. Acts chapter 2. The apostles were in the upper room, all in what? One accord. They were all together in one accord. Let's sing.
Just voices. Sing Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord. Lord Heavenly Father, I thank you for the oneness and the unity in spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you can bring two separate bodies together because in the end, we're all one anyway. Lord, as we leave this place today, 
May we find unity with our brothers and sisters. May we find unity in the gospel of Jesus Christ so that the Holy Spirit can be poured out on us. So just as Aaron would walk through and leave a trail of oil, Lord, may we leave a trail of the Holy Spirit everywhere that we go so that people will wonder what's with us. What an amazing opportunity to share your word with someone else. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. You guys have an amazing week.